My name is Terrell Stafford, and you're listening to Behind the Note by Chris Davis. You're listening to Behind the Note Podcast, brought to you by a musician for musicians. Here, you will get advice toward a successful music career. This show is made to educate, inspire, motivate, and empower. Now, here is your host, Chris Davis. What's going on? I hope you're having a good day. This is episode number 29. Thank you so much for pressing play. Today's episode is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash behind the note. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or any other MP3 player. Here on Behind the Note Podcast, we have been blessed with some great guests, accomplished musicians, knowledgeable and giving people and today is no exception today's guest was a recipient of a juno award for her album vernal fields and has been nominated for many more juno and grammy awards this canadian trumpeter and international musician has performed with many of the greats including pianist jeffrey keezer drummer terry lynn carrington maria schneider and many others i am happy to introduce to you today trumpeter ingrid jensen hi ingrid thank you so much for joining us today we're glad to have you great to be here christopher now i want to get to know you a little bit so i want to ask you what are some of the non-music related activities that you enjoy doing <laughs> non-music related well i mean they're kind of still music related one is uh, raising my daughter who's three and a half now and there's a lot of music going on there but it's not always you know high high-end aggressive modern jazz music it's sometimes you know some mary poppins or some sound of music but all of it's really inspiring to me you know i i just like to get out in nature too i was brought up by the water in british columbia on an island in the country so it was kind of a luxurious upbringing i mean not really wealthy but i was able to be out on a horse and see nature as a kid so i'm really happy to do that whenever i have the chance how many children do you have? Just the one. Are you are you married too? I am married. I have a wonderful husband who we just renovated an old house and we're living in that now. So it's been a crazy couple of years. Had the kit, bought a house, was on the road all the time. Wow. Wow to, to being on the road the whole time. Yeah. And with the child. It's a little different when you're the guy. You can just go, see you later, mama. Have a good time. But I was breastfeeding for two and a half years, almost. Oh, almost two and a half. Wow. So. It was a big commitment, but it was totally worth it. I kind of understand, too, because I, I'm also a father of two. Uh-huh. And, and so I kind of understand. You know, we had to go through that. But we, we weren't traveling in, yeah. in, in doing that. Yeah, I didn't have a choice because I had to make the money to pay for the house. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't like, oh, I'll just stay home and we'll be okay. I was like, oh, we got a plumber to pay for. We got an electrician. We got all this crazy stuff to pay for. So... But it was really a great experience, and she she really benefited from it too. She's a super social, non judgmental little little character. So, did you ever have a traditional day job? Once, well, twice actually. Once I was a waitress, and I was terrible. I sucked really badly, and I got fired over and over. And the other one was I worked in when I moved to New York. I had to get a day job so I could afford to live in New York in the nineties, and it was pretty cheap back then. I had cheap rent, and I still had to have a job. So. I worked at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel as an audiovisual technician. Wow, that sounds like a really cool job, actually. 
No, it was horrible. It was awful. bad. It was awful. It was it paid really well, but it was uh, for me. It was a big soul sucking experience because I wanted to be playing the trumpet. I didn't want to be recording meetings with lawyers and doctors and drug companies and things like that. Oh, was, I see. I'm, now I look back on it. It was a really good time. It's a really important time. So let's talk about that for a moment, because I know a lot of people can relate to that. So what did you do to change your situation there? I was very fortunate to have been very, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't like an outgoing person at school at Berkeley. Um, I studied at Berkeley in Boston, but I was definitely social through the music because the music was what I was there for. I mean, I wasn't there to be a, a, you know, a person trying to make friends just to make friends, but everyone I ended up meeting happened to be someone who I had a kinship with through the music and the people were from all over the world. And that was a real you know, it was worth a lot more than the piece of paper I got once I graduated because these were the people who looked out for me and gave me opportunities and turned me on to things. So doing that job was a real transitional time. I, I was in New York trying to figure out if I want to live in New York. And you know, it was really stressful and crazy. And there was a lot of violence back then. It wasn't that safe of a city for a young, you know, 21 year old graduate who grew up in Canada and didn't really know much about the streets. I learned that pretty quickly, but I got I got out with um, out of the city for a couple of years and made a bunch of money teaching in Austria. I got a teaching position, and that was uh, really a, an amazing time and a really really important transitional time because I got some self respect and I played music the music of America or you know the United States in Europe where it's actually much more appreciated financially and on on you know just on an artistic level. Let's talk about. Europe just a little bit. How how does one get to to do that part of the career if they choose? Or what was it for you that worked out that way? You know, I was prepared for that position that I got. I was I was happened to be again in the right place. A lot of things in my life were very much to do with synchronicity and connecting with the right person at the right time always to do with the music. I mean, sometimes, you know, a dating, oh, I met a trombone player and he was kind of cute. And then he introduced me to this director of the school. And look at that. The director's looking for a trumpet player to teach. Oh, look at this. I can actually fulfill this position and and do um, some positive work here for these people. And in the process, learn for myself on my own how, how to teach and what my actual teaching direction is. So that's how that kind of happened. I was just in the right place at the right time. And they said, you want to audition? And I auditioned and I ended up in a really, really good position for someone who had just graduated from school. And I wasn't really sure what they were going to do as far as, you know, settling down and having a career. I, I always knew I was going to be a trumpet player. That was always clear. Their trumpet is not ever going to go away. As much as I try to quit, it always comes back. It's like a boomerang or something. <laughs> it's a metal boomerang. But uh, it, the thing that was really interesting was all the people I ended up meeting and work, working with in Europe and hanging out with were my idols from the States who were on tour. And, and of course, local people. But the real big, big game changer was someone um, named Clark Terry. Of course, you know Clark Terry. Everyone should know Clark Terry, the great trumpet player. And he, him and I, we were already kind of friends. I had played with him in New York at the Vanguard before I left the city. And uh, he started connecting me with people when he was on tour through Europe. And he would make me sit in. And so I had this nice little cushy teaching gig, but I also was you know, really ready to play. And so by being around him and socializing with all these masters, really like, you know, knocking on the door and say, hey, I want to hang out with you. 
And them going, yeah, come on, let's hang out. That sort of gumption in me really got me to the place where people noticed that I was, you know, on the on on par to be having a record deal, you know, be working with some of the up and coming younger musicians. So that also happened through being social and getting out there, being out listening to the music as much as I possibly could. Sometimes that meant taking a train and getting a hotel, just really putting, investing my own money in that experience of being around the masters. So that, that was, that was great. It was a great time. You talked about the trumpet coming back to you over and again. Now, why, why did you try to put it down? Because it was a frustrating instrument to learn. You know, you meet more people in the world, at least I do. I meet more people that used to play the trumpet than people that do play the trumpet. Oh, you play the trumpet. I used to play the trumpet. Oh, it was too hard. I quit. Oh, you play the trumpet. Wow, that's a hard instrument. You know, it's so funny that people say that because you know, there's a lot of bad trumpet teachers out there, I guess, or not enough good ones. Because it's not that hard. It's just you have to find the right mentor and the right guidance to get you into the instrument so that the music you're hearing can come out. And that took me, again, it took me a few few years of finding, you know, really searching for the right teacher to get to that. Now, was Clark Terry that guy for you or was it someone else? He was a big part of that. He was more of um, a kind of guy in my life who just didn't care what I looked like. He just loved the way I played and put me on stage with him wherever he was playing. <laughs> like, you get up here and sit in. And he made sure all his other buddies did that when I was around. So he was more of a confidence building person than so much. He didn't talk to me much about my playing the trumpet because at that point I'd actually found a really good teacher who had helped me to get my chops together and my range, my endurance, my, you know. And who, who was that for you? Uh, Lori Frank. She was a great teacher. She passed away last year. She wrote, she wrote a book. Flexus, I believe. Is that right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're in the know, man. Yeah, I just learned about this, like, Two weeks ago, I got to order the book. Yeah, um, it's a book. I'm sorry, I got a little distracted because I I could see how much you love her. Yeah, 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 I really miss her. It's a sad one. She was a a good supporter as well. Like she just always had my back and helped me a number of times when I had some real serious face crises, like trumpet face crises. She was right there for me. I was going to ask you about because you you talked about giving up the trumpet because it was a difficult instrument physically to play. And I thought that was interesting because when I watch you play, I think, wow, she makes trumpet look so easy. It oh, thank you. Yeah, it doesn't look like you're really doing anything. You know, I, I know better, but that's the way you make it look. I'm very, very blessed to have a really good instrument nowadays that plays very, um, it, it's very well designed. <laughs> and And I've learned from some really great people how to play it well so that I'm not working as hard as I used to. But when I was first, when I was younger and coming up, you know, I was listening to Kenny Wheeler or Freddie Hubbard or, you know, people playing up in the stratosphere there, dizzy. And if I couldn't get to that even close and it just bottomed out, I'd feel really bad because that was what was in my head. But the instrument wasn't responding. So it was more of a compromise of ideas like, oh, I'll play my kind of cooler melodic stuff, which is great. But but to really rip it, you know, I want to do that, too. And, and it took some a lot of investigation, personal research, like who is the right teacher for me, which is what I tell all my students. I'm like, I may not be the right teacher for you, but I will give you as much as I can to give you a pile of things to try out. And whatever you respond to is what you should go for. And if there's another teacher that can do more for you in that area, that's where you should be. 
There's there's teachers that have doctrines that mess students up, and then there's teachers that are really really open, which Lori really was. She was able to, she was really able to get to the essence of what each student needed at the time, rather than here's my formula, boom, now give me my money and get out of here. This <laughs> is much 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 more compassionate than that, and much more um, empathetic. So what? Give us one or two pointers on what you learned to make playing easier for you um i'm fun it's funny i'm looking from looking at a letter i have on my wall that i keep up here which is just something i must have had a typewriter when i made this too it says and it's a letter from Lori, which is just notes i made that had uh, that were seemed to be consistent things she would say um one was tension only breeds tension if your body's going off balance your chops are going to go off balance and this is a combination also from alexander technique because she sent me to a woman named Lori also who did Alexander Technique. So I kind of fused a lot of what they said. Be aware of what's right. Bad habits will remind us of what is needs to be worked on more. So, you know, if you get tense or your chops get tired, go back to something that's, for me, what I call meditative. Meditative, like you sit with a sound and you sit with some rhythm and you get yourself centered and allow the instrument to be played by you rather than you playing it. That's a big one is is to just really get to the point where things are there despite the trumpet. You know, the trumpet could be all dirty and tired and blotchy and out of tune. But when you start that note, that air comes out with the idea behind it and everything's going to be fine. So that's a lot of what her teachings grew into for me is really getting to the essence of the sound and the, the idea behind it. Thank you. Those are some really good pointers. How would you recommend someone search out a teacher that fits them? You know, with Skype nowadays, there's a lot more options, really. I think to find out, just look up who's teaching on Skype and check out what the way they teach and what they're teaching. And also be very honest about uh, what you need. If you don't have a basic embouchure that's functional through two or three octaves, you need to get with a good teacher that can teach you that, which is, you know, usually... A lot of times for me, it's someone who's coming from the classical side of things, because a lot of jazz teachers are much more efficient at teaching how to play changes and all these crazy ideas that we get into. But they're, they're not really wanting to center all the, the, the lesson on here, get your who together. <laughs> and uh and that's in, in ironically, that's kind of what I had to go back to do after all back to doing after all of my years and years of great jazz teachers I had. I mean, they were amazing. I studied with saxophone players and piano players and trumpet players and people that really knew how to teach the music. But to get to that way I could produce the sound that matched those ideas, I had to totally go in the direction of a classical teacher and just stop being all wonky and twisted and weird and really get centered and and without doing any yoga or qigong or anything like that, there's no way I would know what I was doing either. So I have to say, and I make all my students do it. It's like, you got to find something that gets you to work out. I don't care if it's weightlifting or if it's running or if it's just sitting in a room and doing deep breathing. You have to do something besides play the trumpet because the tension that it breeds has to be released at some point. There is tension that's going to be taken in. So now it has to be released back into the universe so that you can start from a nice open centered position and eventually i find that for me now as i'm getting older i am even more relaxed if the band is good and the groove is good and the time is good i find that my body even relaxes even more when i'm playing 
when it used to be the opposite, like, oh my God, I'm nervous, I'm tight, I'm tense. Now it's more like, oh, look at that. My neck just went <laughs> during the drum solo. <laughs> oh yeah, that feels good. I'm like, okay, it's going to be a good night. Ingrid, I want to take the time right now to thank our sponsors for the show, which is audible.com. For you, the listeners of Behind the Notes podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I just finished The Power of Habit and I really enjoyed it. I believe it has everything to do with how we live our lives and especially as musicians. But you can take that download or you can get something music related like The Six Figure Musician or Making Money With Your Music. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash behind the note. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash behind the note for your free audiobook. Thank you very much. And Ingrid, thanks for letting me do that. And I uh, got another question for you here. I want to talk about goals. Mm-hmm. I, and, um, well, are, are you much of a goal setter first? First off, would you say you're a goal setter? Not now that I have a kid. Now it's more just about survival of the fittest, doing the basic things I need to do. I'm going to San Diego, uh, San Francisco tomorrow to play with, with Eliane Elias. So those tunes are all I'm going to focus on. I'm going to work do all my routine warm-up whatever you call it meditation around those tunes in probably an hour an hour and 15 minutes that's my goal because i want to internalize the music i'm going to play and there still might be a three-year-old knocking at my door going Mama! so the uh, the distractions are real and the time i have to do things there's a small window of of that right now and i'm, I'm totally cool with that you know okay what have you found to work for you in that in that case, you know, your, your children need your attention. You also need to prepare your music. Where, mm. where have you found to work for you? What works for me is to really be focused in the moment and just do one thing at a time. Can't try and do too many. As soon as I try and do too many other things, I forget what the first thing was I was doing. So I actually even just bought this little egg timer. And so that's, <laughs> that's my time to be doing that. And when that goes off, I physically am allowed to move to the next thing. But until then, just staying in the moment. I think that nowadays it's harder than ever, especially I see young people that are just so, you know, the phone and everything is just so much a part of who they are defining themselves as that to just stay still and do one thing and think, hey, this is okay. You know, just this one working on this one pattern or this one idea or this one mode and this one meter, this one tune now, because I've done those things that I need to do to get technically through it. Um, or just writing a tune. You know, I have to myself 45 minutes to write a tune. Boom, it's done. I'll edit it maybe later, but I found that I've actually written more music by doing that now than before when I had all this time. I was just like, oh, I'll sketch something. Oh, I won't finish that. I'll finish that later. So it's um, it's kind of an interesting change of space to just go, this is this time. Take some deep breaths. When, and also, I have to add to that, I do have a list next to me all the time because stuff comes into my head that wants and says, you really are supposed to do this right now. And I'll write it down. I'll say, I'll do that later. And that also gives me that space. It's a very simple thing to do. But you know. that's, that's good because you, you're literally taking 
things off of your mind and putting it on paper. Yes. So you, your your brain literally creates space to deal with the task that you're doing. Yeah, and I yeah. really find, Chris, that if I try and do that with the phone or the computer, it doesn't have the same impact. Like I find a Sharpie pen and a big piece of paper and what it is I'm supposed to do actually gets it out of my mind and I can go back to working on just friends in E flat, whatever, you know, it's a new key that I'm not familiar with G flat in seven. Now I'm back in that rather than going, Oh, the laundry. Oh, I forgot the bills. Oh, you know, we're always going to forget the bills. We're always going to have laundry. So why make it into such a big deal and let it get in the way of what you're doing? Well, that opens a whole can of worms into what it is you believe in that you should be doing. So I have students who are just like, I'm always distracted. I'm like, well, how passionate about this music thing are you? Have you really put time into thinking about how important this is? Have you listened to Clifford Brown first and last? <laughs> Listen to that record and we'll talk afterwards, you know? Then we can have a discussion. Will you say that you dreamed up the life that you're currently living today? Would you say that you dreamed it up? Nobody crazy enough to do that. <laughs> I'd be committed to do if somebody said that you're going to wait till you're in your forties to have a kid. <gasps> you know, it's just, uh, I think I, I was really winging it and very spontaneous for so long in my life that I had such a great time that, that at this point, when I look at what I have now, I would never have dreamed I'd have a house and a husband and a kid. I was just having, you know, just living too far on the edge and, and really, you know, being a cat, being on the scene, which was a great time. And I'm, still reaping the benefits of it because I play with all now I play with only really great musicians who really support me in my path that I'm in now and and then I'm on and that believe that when I show up I'm going to play just as good which in a weird way I feel like I play even better now because I'm more detached from the craziness of the scene and the competition and all the weird stuff that comes with it I'm just like really you're going to be vibing me for playing right now really I want to see you make a child you know and take it take it to the limit there with that part of life and go through a house build and all, you know, and all these other things that really were stressful and intense and, and, and kind of life changing. So I would never have thought it would go the way it did, but I'm totally thrilled that it did. And you still kept your chops up through the whole thing. I did. I played till I was eight and a half months pregnant. And then I played a week later, Ooh. started playing a week later. And I felt like I had even more chops because I had, you know, a really good teacher, this guy, Adam Rappa. Do you know Adam Rappa? I know of him. I, I want to learn from him. Yeah, you should interview him. He's a great teacher, too. He does Skype teaching. He's, uh, I can't give him enough kudos for helping me because he's a Monette guy, which is what I'm playing. And he also really showed me the whole zen of playing the instrument. And he also just loves, he likes the way I play. He's very supportive of the way I play. So that that combination was very empowering and we have a lot of similar things we do you know the whole yoga direction and the the holistic situation being healthy versus being a drug addict <laughs> or something along those lines like that's exhausting let's just do this you mentioned that you get to play with musicians that you love to play with now and sometimes musicians don't have that option because they they're it's almost like having a job, you know, they, yep. they're playing the gig so they can pay the bills. So mm -hmm. how how do you get from that point to playing, I guess, just dream gigs, if you want to call it that, whatever that means for you, whatever your dream well, gig is. Dream gigs for me are when people hire Ingrid Jensen to play, because then I know the 
music that they're playing is probably fitting what it is along the lines of what I do. And they're not offering me like, you know, it's a $50 restaurant gig. I love your playing. <laughs> it's not so much that I've done those $50 gigs. I've paid my dues. I played in a lot of club date bands. I played some really crappy gigs and worked really hard and led bands as a leader and paid to do it, you know, really paid out of pocket. So to sound idealistic a little bit, it's like, well, it's, you just think positive, but you really do. You just get your head into a place where you go, I think I've achieved this space I'm in now as a result of the work I've done, but that does not mean I rest on my laurels in any way, shape or form. It means I actually have more to do because I have, you know, I want to write more. I have to put out a record. There's things I want to do. And I'm working with this guy. Actually, I was just working with Jason. We're working on a project called Kind of New, which is a real departure from Miles's music, but he knew Miles and he worked with him and he's got the whole language down. So that's really exciting thing that I'm I'm able to have the time to focus on rather than running around from gig to gig. So there's there's definitely a lot of um positive thinking that's gone into all of it and a lot of thinking like yes or no. It's a lot of a lot of my friends that I some of who I don't see so much anymore, they say yes to everything and I never see them. They don't have a social life and they play great, but they're always gone. And then other people I know say no to everything and they feel, I feel like they're not getting out there enough. So that, I feel like I'm in the middle of all that. I'm trying to find the balance. My husband's a drummer and he's great too. So we're both in the same situation where we're just saying yes to things that are really good artistically. They may be fewer and far between, but they pay good enough to make things work. And, and we just take it from there. And I'm also very lucky. I'm in the college guest artist situation. So I come in as a guest artist a lot and share music that my sister's written, that I've written and do clinics and things like that. So that's a real, you know, it's a bonus to being able to say no to other things and yes to, to the good things. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes perfect sense. Yes. You said a lot just then. I'm a, I'm a believer of when you say no to something or... Either way, if you say yes to something, you're automatically saying no to something else because mm. you can physically only be at one place at a time. Mm-hmm. So I try to be careful of when I say yes to something, make sure that it's something either that I really like to do or or make sure that I'm helping. Mm. You know, so mm-hmm. I, I think that's important for for people to keep in mind. And then you talked about thinking a lot. I think that's very powerful. Um, I just learned about Oh, well, I just learned about imagining your future, imagining the, the, your future that you, that you desire. And I, I took some time for the first time. I took some time to just imagine. And it took me about 20 minutes. I didn't, I didn't set 20 minutes apart. I wanted it to take as long as it would take. It ended up being 20 minutes and I felt so good. I haven't felt that good before. That's beautiful. Yeah. So I'm going to keep practicing that. you're making me remember that I actually have done things like that without really being aware that's what I'm doing. Like just free flow writing. I have a lot of my students do that. Just writing words, just getting stuff out of your head. So I I think there was a time when I did write down, I will one day I'd sure love to have a kid in a house with a yard and a garden. Wouldn't that be amazing? Ah, it may never happen. You know, then writing out all of the neurosis that goes with that. (laughs) But um, yeah, it's really true. You can project into your, present moment i don't even think it's into your future you can really project forward into the now what it is that you really should be doing if you if you do the work on getting all the other junk out of there like the junk junk takes some work and it's not fun 
but especially being a musician, I think our job now more than ever is to be able to communicate joy and peace when we play for people. We don't need any angry bebop. We don't need any like aggressive, you know, war music. We've got enough of that. We need some, we need some peace, whatever that means. You know, that could be happening over a fast Freddie Hubbard burnout tune. When Freddie Hubbard played, I was like, that's peaceful. That's beautiful. I could cry when he's playing an up-tempo blues. But you know what I'm saying? Like to be communicating from a place of truth rather than something besides that. And that does take a lot of a lot of work. All right. I have a few more questions for you. I want to know, or, or can you give us some pointers on how to keep the calendar full? What, what do you use that works for you? I'm very, very blessed I'm, and lucky, whatever you want to say, fortunate that a lot of the things that I've, that I'm involved with keep me very present. Like I play with Terry Lynn Carrington. So people see my name there. Uh, my sister and her big band has gotten quite a bit of fame. And I formerly played with Maria Schneider. I'm not playing with her anymore. But that also gave me some some traction out there. So I feel like those bands and my own work as a solo artist, it's it's almost like I'm I'm not going away. <laughs> I'm always there and, and I'm getting a nice reputation within the the university circuit to to come in and teach and and lift the kids up, hopefully. That's my goal. Lift the students and the faculty so that everyone just wants to run to a room and start playing together after I leave rather than go, oh, I think I'll go practice, but more really playing together and communicating. So I think with that method behind my madness, I'm able to keep quite busy. And there's always things coming in. I work with a number of people as a side person, but not so much side person. I'm usually a featured artist and part of the part of the sound of the band. So again, you know, starting to say no to things where I'm just a, a hired horn versus a voice. And I think we all have a voice. And I think if we all work on our original sound on that, with that voice in mind, original music, rather than just trying to reproduce something that's already been done really well by people who've already passed, or who might even still be here. I mean, that comes from Prince. I really feel like he's right on the money. It's like your music will create a path that has yet been disclosed to the world and within that path you can start meeting other people and drawing other resources and drawing from drawing from other resources and and it will that path will continue to unfold it won't just end it's it's a really amazing thing that's i feel is happening to me even when i write a tune i feel like i've written a tune that just put me somewhere out in the universe again and it's the weirdest, craziest feeling. And then I play that tune and then people go, I like that tune. I'm like, well, that's great. You liked it. It's good. Could care less. I mean, I care, but not in that way. You know, it's not like, oh, now I'm complete. It's more like, wow, that's cool. I think I'll write another tune <laughs> or do another arrangement of something that I really love. And, then, and the same thing goes when I play other people's music. I want to apply myself that thousand percent to the moment. And I feel the trumpet gives me a, a, a real non-stop learning experience to keep doing that with as well yes as you know oh yes this is definitely the truth so what are some pointers on longevity that you can give us as far as just having a lasting career how long how long have you been at this game since i was 13 30 plus years okay you know and i think the first pointer that i wish would give to everyone is you have to be an eternal student you can't just sit down and go oh i got it now you know you have to be a student for life I've hung out with Herbie Hancock and played with him a few times. The guy is still learning stuff. He's still, his mind is young because he's constantly looking around at new things he can learn. If it's not music, it's something in technology. 
you know, it's something to keep him from stagnating. And that's one of my, my biggest pieces of advice. And the other that I feel is really important for students and young people these days to do is to put the technology away and just get back to the basics. Play together. Come up with a tune together. Teach each other a tune without music. Get together, play duets, play free, play some tunes, but but step away from the devices and all of these things that are actually energy suckers rather than energy givers. Listen to your podcast, of course, but <laughs> don't go that far that you throw your phone or your computer in the water. <laughs> That's right. You got to listen to Behind the No Podcast while you're running. <laughs> That's right. While you're running or meditating or looking at a picture in an art gallery. But it's a it's a it's a really difficult balance these days because we've been convinced that we need all this stuff around us and we're lonely without it. But um, music and and all of the incredible people, you know, personalities within just this genre of music um, keep me pretty busy, <laughs> keep me pretty humble and aware of of what it is I need to work on. A- endless investigation into your own being. Lastly, what I find that is also lacking a little bit these days is just have a sense of humor. And if you don't have one, go find one. Find someone that has a really good sense of humor and ask them how they got it. Because we've got to laugh more and you got to learn to take yourself a little less seriously when it comes to creating something. And in that, you find freedom. And even if you're not going to be a musician, it's going to make life so much more fun. And things so much easier to appreciate and to be open, open to, to what is good in the world. And not have so much fear, which unfortunately our society feeds us. Except for your podcast. <laughs> pretty good, pretty good. You know what? I'm going to stop right there, Ingrid. You've been great. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. You're beautiful, too. I love your show. Yes, thank you for sharing with us. We really enjoyed you today. Bye. All right, take it easy. Thank you so much for making it this far in the show. This is episode number 29 of Behind the Note Podcast. And if you have not already... Go to behindthenote.com slash gift. There's a free gift waiting just for you. Some people already took advantage of it, but if you haven't, go ahead. There's something there waiting for you. And I'll see you next episode. God bless you.